this whole idea of the reluctant prophet, I feel is such a, it's a sham. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. I'm your host, Elena Martin. Welcome back. Every week we ask two Yale Divinity School professors to talk about one of the readings appointed by the Revised Common Lectionary for the coming Sunday. And we hope this is becoming a good ritual for you to start your sermon preparation for the week or a helpful resource to spark ideas for your own reading of the text. This episode, we have Sarah Drummond, founding dean of Andover Newton Seminary at Yale, and Joel Baden, professor of Hebrew Bible and director of the Center for Continuing Education. They're discussing Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10, which is appointed for Sunday, January 30th, the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. The text is read for you by student Eric Holland. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go on to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So Joel, I'm curious, have you spent a lot of time with Jeremiah and What are some things that a person who hasn't, like me, needing to be mindful of as they look at this text? I will admit that I don't spend an enormous amount of time with Jeremiah, in part because, happy to sort of admit this, I hate Jeremiah. I don't even mean as a text. I mean, I actually think much of the writing in it is is, is lovely, sort of as literature. I mean like Jeremiah. Like I hate Jeremiah, just as a dude, just the dude. Yes, um, one of truly one of the, uh, the 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 two biblical characters that I I dislike most. Uh, maybe it's not rational. I, I have to admit, I find Jeremiah to be enormously self-aggrandizing. Now, many prophets are right. Many prophets are like. I guess one of the essence of prophecies is I'm coming to tell you all something that you don't know. It's like I know better. Right? Is, a, is a common, it has to be, right? The common prophetic stance. It is today, right? Even with the people who we sort of agree with, right? That they have to come, if you want to say something that's going to move people, you got to say like, I really know a thing, uh, everyone. But I, I, will, I will admit, I read Jeremiah in maybe in the worst possible light, which is to say, as a, as a figure, I read him as um, sort of historically as a, as a collaborator, right? With, the, with the, the Babylonians. I mean, this is a guy whose entire prophetic career was built on saying, stop fighting them, just let them in, right? Let's, this is God's punishment. Let them all come in and conquer us and do whatever they want. And who, for saying that, was hated by his fellow Israelites and who was loved by the Babylonians, right? Throw on a beret and a French accent and we've got... I know, we're, uh, we're in Vichy, France. 
I know it's uh, it's Neville Chamberlain. It's it's Vichy France. It's 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 just you know, but it's it does it does read that way to me, and I think it accounts for his biography, such as we have it, and also part of the part of the biography, which is that you know he constantly is talking about how all the other prophets are like prophesying, fighting back, and like we're going to triumph, and 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 he's and he's not right. He's prophesying like just let the like let's let them do whatever they want to us. That's God's will. We're used to it because it's in the Bible, but like that would be a weird, right? That would be a weird prophecy today, right? We would, right? And if we were to convert this to like contemporary politics um, or contemporary international relationships, you know, if someone declared war on us, you know, the person who stood up and said, "Let's like let them in, let them, let them have at us," we would all be like, "No, we fight to we fight to the death," right? That's because right, easy for you to say, "Let them in," you're going to benefit, you're going right. to be fine. And you're getting they're getting all of the spoils that they're getting at our expense. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that's all background to the fact that this opening passage, I think, is just another reason that I don't like Jeremiah. Right? It like it just adds to the thing. There are certain kinds of humility that prophets sort of put out there. Moses is like, who am I that I should be the one to do this, right? I don't speak well. I Right, I'm a no one. Isaiah, you know, also is like, I, you know, I, like, oh my God, I, I can't believe I'm being spoken to by the deity. Right, this is like shocking, and I've like, uh, that's a, that's a common that's common thing. Amos is like, you know, I, I, I'm not a prophet, right? Like, I just I just got called, you know, like, I, and I'm, I have to say the thing. Jeremiah's story is like, God shows me, even. Before I was even conceived, I was going to be a prophet to the nations. And it's like, it's almost this one upsmanship of like, I am superior. I'm superior not only to all of you current prophets out there. I'm superior to, you know, it's, Jeremiah knows the, the sort of standard call stories. He knows the story of Moses and the call. He probably knows the story of Isaiah and, and his call. And he's like, nah, it's like, called called it a bush in the wilderness are you kidding like i was called i was called in the womb so he's the guy at the prophet support group that everybody else in the prophet support group just finds incredibly annoying because they're letting their guard down and saying i don't know why i was chosen i got nothing and and our our dear jeremiah is saying i don't understand why you feel that way yeah like i've always Right. Uh, or the I'm so you know, sorry for you that you're so insecure. I've always known that this was what I was going to do and who I was going to Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's he's also like the he's also like the person who's like, "Oh, you're listening to them?" Yeah, I liked them before they released their first album. It's <laughs> show-offy. Right, like show-offy, anyway. yeah. But but you know, he also, right, like he is the one who is voicing God speaking to him as a child. Uh we don't want to read Jeremiah as like true. What we read about Jeremiah's presentation of his call is Jeremiah's presentation of his of his call, right? Um, it doesn't. It's not like we have this the omniscient narrator saying, "When Jeremiah was but a boy, the word of the Lord came to him That's and said." Interesting, Joel. Why is, is it significant that he, when Jeremiah quotes God using God's voice in a first person sense, is that unusual? It's 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 not super unusual. It's just something that we often lose sight of, right? We read people saying, God said to me, or I was, you know, we, we read people's voicings of God 
because they're in the Bible, because they're prophets, as something as, as authentic, or at least we remove the the layer of the person speaking is the one who's telling us this from it, right? With a certain amount of trust. Whereas today, if you came to me and said, now, Joel, the word of the Lord came to me and said this, I'd be like, well, Sarah, I have some questions about that. Like, I'm going to interrogate- What did you have for dinner? I'm going to, I'm, <laughs> right, right. I'm going to interrogate why you would be saying that or what advantages is to you or what that tells me about the way that you're presenting yourself to me. We don't do that very often, especially with the prophets, right? We think of them as, you know, essentially content-free mouthpieces for the deity. But again, and part of this is because I, I feel this way about Jeremiah. So specifically with Jeremiah, I can't get around the fact that it's Jeremiah who is telling me the thing. So when Jeremiah says, God said to me, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms, I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> like, that's you, right? Like, I see Jeremiah in that more than I see God. Do you know what I mean? This sounds like Iron Era posturing. The person who has to recite their resume before they make a comment, usually it's because their comment isn't particularly valid or helpful. <laughs> and in in this case, what what you're helping me to understand a little bit more broadly is my general concern about modern modern day religious leaders claiming this I kind of claiming their role in a succession of reluctant prophets. This whole idea of the reluctant prophet, I feel is such a, it's a sham, oldest trick in the book. And when people choose texts like these as ordination passages, it makes my skin crawl. Now, there's there's a whole lot behind skin crawling around ordination passages. So there really aren't that many passages that say one of our YDS graduates can choose for their ordination that I couldn't find some reason why it wasn't a great choice. But in the theology of ordination, in the tradition I come from, the United Church of Christ, we understand the call to ministry to be in part mystical and in part practical. Mystical in that something's going on that God is asking you to do that's beyond our ken and requires of us a, a journey. And there's the practical dimension of, are you good at this? Do people actually want you to do this? Is there a job that includes dental that you could get while doing this? And those two, the practical and the mystical, have to be in dialogue with each other, in tension with each other. When ministers say, I had no choice, I had no free will. God put this in my DNA when I was a zygote in my mother's womb. They're asking for trouble because what they're saying is that none of this is about me, really. And if you don't like what I say, talk to God about it because it's God who's working through me. I feel like the appointment of this kind of passage in an ordination is putting you up for election as the most likely to commit an act of pastoral misconduct, most likely to not understand that we all have a calling, folks, and those who are called to prophesy have to be called to prophesy in all humility in a practical and tangible world where people are vulnerable and at risk 
and looking like crazy for easy answers. And sh- and surely also to to recognize that you can feel as called as as you like. You are you can't separate yourself from the message, right? The voicing of God's will is coming through you, not as an empty sort of vessel, right? You were a full vessel to begin with. That's, that's actually why Jeremiah's like thing about it was in the womb is so, on the one hand, effective and on the other hand, appalling, right? It makes it sound like, you know, I was in the womb. There was no me, right? There, there was no me to fill that, that vessel. Everything I got has been, right, since I was a little kid, I, I've just been doing this. But when we're talking about people who are called to ministry as, a, as adults, who are going through that process as an adult, they're coming with a whole world of, you know, identity and existence and experience, right? When they are speaking, they're not speaking sort of in this unadulterated way for, for the deity, right? And Jeremiah isn't either. He's just trying to make the case, right? He's trying to evacuate his prophecy of himself. But that's not, you can't do that. You can't do that ethically, Thanks for listening. Please take a few minutes to subscribe to the podcast and maybe share it with a friend who might find it useful. For more about chapter, verse, and season, or for more Bible study resources in general, visit YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is produced by Joel Baden, Kelly Morrissey, and me, Elena Martin. Production help is by Chriselle Bryce, and our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. Thanks to the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. And thank you to Dean Drummond and Professor Baden for joining us this week. We'll be back with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.